Hey, thanks so much for choosing the Haven House of Revival Sermon of the Week. We pray that this sermon impacts your heart and inspires you to change your life and the world around you for God. Please enjoy the message. Hasn't it been a good morning together? Not that I need to like compress this into 20 minutes, but I only have three points this morning, so we can go through this. We've been in this series since September called Identity. And I know it's been spotty here and there for the last couple months. In Christmas time, we felt the Lord say, preach about this Christmas season of Advent. And um, I don't know why I'm opening my Bible. All my notes are here. Okay. And, and so we took a little short diversion route for a little bit, and now we're back. So I'm trying to finish for you, fathers and mothers. In this series of identity, how many people remember we started identity in September, and I started by saying, the reason you need identity is so that you can be equipped to fulfill your calling in the kingdom. The first part of this series has been all about who we are as Christians, and every person in this room is called all of these things. You are both a son and a daughter, as well as a father or a mother, as well as a priest and a saint. Priest, saint, priest, yeah, okay. Are you with me? You are... Is it priests and saints? Yeah, saints and priests, yeah. You are a son or a daughter, a father or a mother, and a saint and a priest, okay? Four things that you are. These are, these, this is the word of the Lord of how, who he calls you, every person, okay? There are things we can all be camaraderie in. Are you following me? There are things we all need to start our identity in. After that, it gets unique, how many people understand God created us, all of us, separate and different in who we are? So if you don't understand the foundation of who he calls you as his children, the uniqueness is irrelevant. Because if you don't know that you're a son, but then you're a unique prophet, I said this last week, I said it back in September, you become an orphaned prophet. We don't want you to be an orphaned prophet. If you are not a father and you try to teach or preach, you become a child trying to do an adult's thing. You're immature. We want to teach you and talk to you about the realities that these things go hand in hand. You can't be mature in the faith and in your giftings from the Holy Spirit and from Jesus without the foundational principles of sons, fathers, saints, and priests. Okay? Are you with me? Come on, are you with me? There we go. Okay, so <clears throat> that's why we're talking about identity. We're going to sit there all year at this point because we think this is the foundation of equipping. And in the fall, we're going to launch a ton of equipping um, things for us. I don't want to call them programs because they're not going to look like traditional church programs. Um, but we want to launch that with your foundation being laid in the identity of who Christ calls you. So that as we release equipping practical exercises, practical meetings, things where you're going to come and practice your gifts with people, we want you to be certain that that's the gift you need to practice. Are you with me? We don't want you to be a, a prophet and come to the evangelism and, and struggle with why you struggle with sharing your faith. And meanwhile, Danny's out there just like telling every person that the Lord loves them. 
it's because she knows she's an evangelist and you're a prophet. And like, yeah, you should learn to share your faith, but like, like don't stress about it. It's okay to be who you were made to be. Are you with me? Okay, so that's what's happening. Giving you foreknowledge. It's coming. All right. So my first sermon on fathers and mothers. Why do we need to be a father and a mother? Does anybody remember? The why? I know it was a long time ago. It was like October. Because we're called. 1 Corinthians 4.14. We're called to be fathers. It says in the word that you, you who have many teachers in the word, like those are useless if you do not have at least one father. Essentially, that's the, my paraphrase of that. It, the, Paul is literally saying, one father is worth 10,000 teachers in the word. And so it's vital that we understand that if we're not fathers, we end up with the statistics that I listed in that sermon. The fatherless generation. Are you with me? Come on, everybody in this room, do you want me to say those statistics again? Eight times more likely to go to prison. Five times more likely to commit suicide. 20 times more likely to have behavioral problems. 20 times more likely to become rapists. 32 more times likely to become runaways. 10 times more likely to abuse chemical substances. Nine times more likely to drop out of high school. And one-tenth is likely to get an A. That's why we need fathers. Just imagine what a motherless society would look like. It's coming. If we don't fix this in the church, it's coming. You don't have to be, look, Genesis, the Lord, or he says, he commands Adam and Eve to go and be fruitful and multiply. But if you can't have physical children, it doesn't mean, A, you can't adopt, or B, you can't have spiritual children. And both of those are equally as important. There are tons of father and motherless people in this room that need a father and a mother in the faith. And even if you are a natural father and mother or an adoptive father and mother, you still need to be a spiritual father and mother. Are you with me? So you're called. It's a blessing. You create a legacy, not just an impact. That's a big core value here at Haven. We want to be legacy makers. We don't want to have an instant, immediate, one-time impact. Look, we may believe that the Lord is coming back soon, but so did the 70s Jesus movement. And then what happened is a whole generation of people didn't think they had a future. So their children didn't have a future. So their children didn't learn about God. So their children had no, nothing to stand on. And their children were walking around, floating around on the earth. And lo and behold, the 90s was born. The fatherless generation. The millennials. We cannot afford to do that again in the kingdom, okay? We cannot afford to do that again. So even though, even if your belief is that Jesus is coming back in the next seven years, in this cycle, it doesn't matter. Leave a legacy anyway. Chase after your kids, okay? Legacy is far greater than impact. The amount of times I read about revivalists who had this massive impact on the earth for like a couple years, but then their children Turn from God. And look, how many people understand there's a blessing from the, this is one of my reports. It's a blessing, literally a generational blessing that says, it says in the word that it's a thousand times blessing. A thousand generations are blessed with the faith of the fathers and the mothers. I would rather a thousand generations blessed than three generations cursed. 
Come on, right? We can't afford it in the kingdom. We can't afford to be short-sighted. We must be fathers and mothers. Okay, so what do fathers and mothers do? This is the second thing that I, I preached about. They pass down testimony. They share wisdom. They pray and intercede for their kids. They encourage their children. They protect their children. They bring them up into maturity from sons and daughters to mothers and fathers. You give them identity in that. You say, hey, you're no longer a child, my son. You're driving the tractor today. You're driving the truck. You're carrying the groceries in. You're praying for dinner. You are now a man in the house. This is why the Jewish culture had bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs. Yeah. <coughs> because coming of age is important. And part of our duty as parents is to raise up our children into maturity and lead them into being fathers and mothers. But you cannot be a father and mother unless you're first a son or a daughter. Okay. <clears throat> Parents also provide for their children and they discipline for their children. Lovingly discipline their children. All right, so today we're going to talk about the position we talked about the position of sons and, and daughters, and we're going to talk about the position of fathers and mothers. I have three points for you. This is the position a father and a mother takes. You are first present. Say present. Your second, active. Your third, accessible. You're present, you're active, you're accessible. Say that again. Present, active, accessible. This is the commitment of the posture of a parent. Say that with me one more time. I really want you to hear these three things. I will be present. I will be active. I will be accessible. I feel like I'm at laser tag in Ontario. Marshall upstairs. Okay, that's an Ontario joke nobody's going to get except for the kids of the 90s from Ontario. Thanks, Chris Brown. Okay. <clears throat> Present. Point number. Okay, let me just say this. Where I get this understanding from is I, this is the posture we approach everything with in the kingdom. Okay. John 5. Jesus saying, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, so that son, the son does likewise. Are you with me? So our posture, just because we go from sons to fathers or daughters to mothers, doesn't mean we stop being a son or a daughter. That's part of your identity for eternity. Are you with me? If you think you get to just kick being a son or a daughter out to the curb as soon as you're done, like being announced a father or a mother, you become prideful, arrogant, angry, and bitter because you're forgetting a massive part of your identity. Children humble themselves before the Lord. That's the verse we started the service with. Matthew 18. We always always our children. Okay. Are you with me? So we are children watching what the father is doing. And so when I say, okay, Lord, what are you doing, Lord? And I look in his word and I say, what, what is the Lord doing? And he displays these things that the father is doing for us. Are you with me? 
So that's where I get this. Present, active, and accessible. First, he's present. He's near. He's physically near to us at all times. The Bible assures us of this. It says in Psalm 139, 7 to 10, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He's present, he's near. Psalm 145, 18 to 20, the Lord is near to all who call on him. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Jeremiah 23, uh, 23, 24, can a man hide himself in secret places so that the Lord cannot see him? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Look, you might not feel the Lord, but it says in his word, he is near to you. Every one of you, me, us, Come on, I felt the Lord this morning. Thank the Lord that sometimes we get to feel him. Reminder of his nearness. This is what it says in Acts 17, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. And I just hear the Lord saying, stay close to me and I'll be close to you. In, um, this is a total sidetrack. What time is it? That's okay. <laughs> You'll all suffer through the last two points later. Okay. When I was first learning to engage with the spiritual realm, this is going to be weird. and That's okay. You need to hear it. I, I remember learning in one of my discipleship um, groups that I was in. I went to the school in Atlanta for discipleship. It's called 10,000 Fathers from that verse in, in Corinthians. And, and um, I remember them talking about this Jewish principle that heaven, I don't know, I wasn't even there. Maybe they referenced it there. Anyways, regardless, somebody was teaching this. Heaven is not this place that's in the sky. Can I just tell you that? Heaven is not this thing that you have to like seek through the clouds. Right? Like we know that scientifically even. Otherwise, we would have found heaven, right? With their telescopes. Heaven, look, it says in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth. And if you actually read it the way it is intended, it actually states that he's made earth in the heavens. Okay, let me just see if I can find that here. Because this is important. This is important for your engagement. This is totally not about fathers and mothers. This is just important for your engagement with the Lord. And I feel like it's a word that he wants to say. Yeah, it's, it's Genesis 1.1. I can't remember. I think it's in, in the Hebrew that it says it like that. That in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the Hebrew insinuates the earth within the heavens. So if that's the truth, and I'm telling you that I believe it is, and I believe it is not just because of that verse. Let me just declare that. 
it's not just because of that verse. It's because in the end, God says he will create a new heaven and a new earth, and it will be as if there's a ladder between heaven and earth, and God will dwell in both places, and it will be an open heaven that we dwell in with him on earth. Are you with me? So the heavens and the earth are in the same place. And so I remember learning that and then hearing the guy say, it's in the Jewish culture, they would refer to it as heaven being so close to you. It's as if it's a breath away. So if you just shut your eyes and breathe on your hand, it's like, like that's the closeness of heaven. That's the closeness of the Lord. The Lord is dwelling in a heaven, but it's not up here. It's not far away. He's dwelling in the heavenlies, which is all around us. You know, whether you believe in a second and third heaven or just a second heaven or just a third heaven or just whatever, I don't care. It's not up there. Hell is not down here. You're not going up and down, okay? You're actually going in and out. That's what the Greek and the Hebrew actually insinuate here. So the spiritual realm of the heavenlies is all around us. And it's like a sci-fi movie where you shift in and out of the heavenlies. Okay, why am I saying that? Because God is so close. He's so near to you. And we think he's up here in the sky looking down at us, wagging his finger, pointing at us, looking down on us. But he's a father enveloped around us with his arms holding us. And he's saying, I am here. You can feel the breath on your head. I am here. That's the closeness of God. So you just need to say, God, be near to me. He's like, I'm, I'm here, I'm near to you. Are you with me? Okay, total sidetrack. So that's the closeness of God. So parents, we are present or near. Say present. Come on, even if you're not a parent, okay, yet, you're gonna be a parent in the faith here. So I will be present. That's good. I will be active. That's good. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Okay. Active. Active is like the analogy that I got, like the picture I got this morning during worship. Active is bringing your kid with you where you go. Okay. Active is being not just present with them, but actually saying, come with me. So here's what it says. It's actually like, yeah, come with me. It's like, it's like leading. Are you with me? It's like, you know, following the leader. Following the leader. The lead. Come on, okay. <clears throat> Proverbs 4, 10 to 27. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. Psalm 139, 7. Even there your hand shall lead me. Isaiah 30, 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right, or when you turn to the left, we lead. So here's the posture of leading. I say you bring them with you, but here's the posture of the Lord. He's behind us even. So at some point, you bring your child with you. They watch you. And at some point, long enough has happened where they're no longer just beside you. You're behind them. Like I said in the 
picture I had this morning, and you're actually guiding their hands and showing them how to plane the wood. You're, you're guiding their hands, and you're showing them how to do the things that you are doing. Are you with me? This is the nearness and activeness of the Father. He actually wants to do that for us, and that's why we're to do it with others. Okay? Are you with me? All right. This is what, why we do what we do in worship. Bill Johnson says it like this. And I heard um, somebody quote Bill the other day, and this is what he says. He says, get them in the glory so that they can learn to recognize his present presence and be sensitive to when he's in the room. And even if they aren't wanting to be or able to be fully active in what's happening, get them in the room. Because having your kids with you may be challenging but it's always going to give them the opportunity to know God's presence and be able to identify that. Are you with me? So even if they're playing around, look, I loved when Ginger was leading them in dancing. She's leading our children in worship this morning. They're so good. That's a mother leading people. Like, I just caught it by a glance. I was like, "Woo, that's powerful. Our children, our girls were learning to dance this morning in the presence of God. And they get to actually learn what it's like to be in the presence of God so that later when they're seeking the truth and they're walking through and they're like, is it Islam? Is it Hinduism? Is it, who is it? Who's the truth? Where's the truth? They'll never find the presence of God like what you raised them up in. They'll never, and then when they find the truth, they'll say, whoa, I felt this before. This is the truth. This is the way, this is the life. Are you with me? Okay, that's what an active parent does. That's why we push ourselves. And look, I'm with you in this. I have three kids and my kids, if you watch long enough during worship, just can't handle it for that long. We know this. I'm not blind-eyed to my children's behavior during worship, but I do want to walk alongside them and say, hey, it's worship. This is what worship is. It's unto the Lord and it's for other people to engage with him. And I want you to worship and not, excuse me, be a distraction here. So I just coach them. And if you have kids, you know, when you coach them in something, it could take years to figure it out. Right, Wiggemeyers? Ty left, but still training them up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, Ty. <laughs> we do love you so much here. You train them up, Proverbs 22, 6, Ephesians 6, 4. Okay, this is an important one I'm going to get on before I move on from training them up. <clears throat> Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. So you're going to train them up. You're going to lead them. These are the two postures of being active, okay? And in that verse, specifically in the Greek, the word is for instruction is nuthesia. You want to say that with me? Nuthesia. E, uh, okay, you'll never use that word ever again, but this is the definition of, the, of instruction. It's actually to give them wisdom so that you improve their reasoning. Can I say that again? It's not about telling them what to do because you said to do it. It's about giving them the reasoning and thought process of God so that you train them in how to reason like God. That is the wisdom that they need. 
You don't need to tell them what to do all the time. You need to train them to think for themselves and to reason with all truth. At some point, you need to teach them to have reason in their mind and in their hearts because you're going to then teach them how to think like God does. Give him, them his thought processes. Are you with me? Isn't that good? That's what instruction is. Teach them to think like God. How do we know how to think like God? The Bible. Okay. We will be present. Okay, we'll try again. We will be We will be And we will be There we go. The difference between being active and accessible is this. When you're active, you're teaching them what you believe, how you think, how you reason, and training them up and showing them how to reason. When you're being accessible, you're actually hearing their needs and how they reason and what their heart's desires are and meeting them face to face and saying, even though I think this is what you need, I'm also here for what you say you need. I am also here for what you are going through. It's not about me. It's about you, child. Are you with me? So accessibility is knowing that you need to respond to your child's needs as much or more than, when, than them needing to learn how you what you think they need. Are you with me? Okay. Let me try that again. Being active is teaching them what we believe they need. Being accessible means that I see what they need and meet them where they are at. Okay, now are you with me? Okay, great. 1 Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to the prayer. He's accessible to us in prayer. Hallelujah. Come on, can I get an amen? Jeremiah 29, 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. Psalm 34, 17. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Isaiah 65, 24, before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear them, you and your children. So we will be present, active, and accessible. This is the posture of a parent. Is it good? Simple? Look at that, it's 103. Okay, I have one last note for us. Chris, are you going to play keys or something? All right. Yeah, do something. Just do something. Just do whatever. Maybe not whatever, but do something. Come on, Chris is so great. Can we just give it up for our worship director, pastor, leader, the man, the myth, the legend, and his wife, who are just amazing? Chris and Sarah, we just honor you. Thank you for all you do. Okay, don't get sidetracked, Justin. Wrap this up.
I forgot my last point here. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. I just want to say this. I was talking to, to another pastor in the city, and we we're talking about mentoring, discipleship, and the posture of mentoring and being a mentor and being mentored. And, um, and the, the comment came up, well, I was raised up in this environment, and I've heard this all the time, and, I, and I, I agree. The posture of a son needs to be that they go after their father and, and that they take them out for a meal, that they pay for their coffee, that they go and chase them down and chase them and chase them and chase them because they need to show that they actually want to be raised up, that they actually want to be poured into, that they actually want to be... And I want to say yes and no to that. Can I burst the bubble here? Look, that sh if you're a son or daughter, that should be your posture. You should be hungry to grow. But if you're a father and a mother, the posture changes. My posture as a son is to chase down the father. My posture as a father is to chase down the son. That's right. Look, I have never had a mentoring relationship go well where I just waited for somebody to come and talk to me after I offered it to them. Yeah, Dwayne knows. Here's the thing about people and about children, whether they're in the faith or in the natural, they don't believe you trust them until you show them that you trust them. They don't believe they're trusted unless you show them they're trusted. You, you want to have their trust based on your title or your position or your standing in the world. Hogwash. Baloney. Your standing, your titles, your whatever, it means nothing. It just doesn't. Look, we're all at the, the same place. We're at the foot of the cross together. We're at the feet of Jesus. Your titles, whatever, it's meaningless. If you want to be like the Father and do what He is doing, the Father is loving you before you loved Him. Let me say that again in another way. We love because he first loved us. You want to be a good father? You love the child first. And in my experience, <clears throat> you lay down your life for that child. Look, whether it's my own biological children or my spiritual children, I have not had a good mentoring relationship that started without me showing them I trust them for nothing. It is always the, the, the young men and women who come back to me years later and say, you changed my life. The way you showed me how to walk, I walk in. It's altered and shifted. Those people are people I laid my life down for. I did some grand gesture when they deserved none of it. And that's not to tote me out. That's just like, I listened to the Lord and I fell into this. And so the posture of a father is not waiting for your son to get it. Or the mother. Look, in, in mine and Amanda's lives, we talk about this all the time. Look, I didn't learn to build and do construction because my dad really had the time to do hands-on learning with me. I watched him do it. And I picked it up later. Many hammers to the thumb, many screws and drills going into my fingers. Like 
I learned on my own accord as an adult after watching him for years, but he didn't get the opportunity to train me up in it. Amanda never learned to cook. Look, my dad was a carpenter and a structural draftsman. He's an amazing builder, okay? Amanda's mother is one of the most like beautiful cooks I've ever met in my life. But Amanda could not cook for her life when I met her. She was never trained up to cook because her mother would always do it. And for Amanda, she never even bothered to watch after a while because she just felt like she wasn't like needed. And she was a kid and kids just don't realize when you're not needed that they just like wander around. Okay, I'm not needed. I'll just go do my own thing, right? They're kids. She doesn't know she's going to need that later. She doesn't know because she's a kid, right? So what happens is if we neglect our children in training them up, they either have to learn on their own accord or later in life, it smacks them in the face, right? So look, your child is, the child is never going to be able to do things without you offering yourself to them first. And sometimes that means more than once. So you want to be a good father or mother, you change their dirty diapers, you feed them, you clean up after them, you train them to walk, to run, to sing, to laugh. You you are present, you're active, and you're accessible in their lives. And you lay down your life for them. And so if you're wanting to be a spiritual father and mother, in the posture of the true father in heaven, he's laid down his only son for you. That's a pretty big freaking sacrifice. Hallelujah. He loved us before we were even created. Before we were into existence on this earth, he loved us. So we love children like that. If you want to be a great father or a great mother, you lay down your life do a grand gesture. Don't wait. And if they reject it, so be it. I've had that happen tons of times in my life. You forgive and bless them that one day they would find somebody that they're called to walk with and that they would accept the the blessing from. That's it. That's all. It's pretty easy. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. Love them anyway. They're still loved children of God. Okay, stand to your feet. Is that good? Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, ministry team, if you want to come to the front. If there are a few words this morning, where's my phone at? That were given and, and they're kind of given a little bit through the service. This is irrelevant to my message, but it's important to you. If you need a touch from the Father, if you didn't feel like you got what you needed this morning in worship or in our time together, and you're just like, I am craving an encounter with the Lord. I need healing. I need inner healing. I need a breakthrough. I need encouragement. Whatever it is, this is the time now at the end of our service every Sunday. We want you to get ministered to. We want you to not leave here without what you need. It's okay if you fumbled through this week and just barely got here and you're dying for an encounter with the Lord. That's why we're here, to build you up, encourage you, and draw you close to the Lord. Amen? So if you need inner healing, if there's something in your heart that's hurting that you need to just remove from your heart this morning, that you need this blockade torn down, the breakthrough in that, this is for you this morning. Come and get ministry. If you need, if you've been dying for intimacy with the Father again, 
you've been feeling like you're missing the intimacy with him that you used to have, then come and get prayed for, for intimacy. The Lord wants to encounter you again this morning with fresh intimacy. If you've never had intimacy with the Father, if you don't even know what that looks like, come and get prayer for that as well. And finally, in regards to my message, the call this morning is not to ministry, but it's actually to say, yes, Lord. So if you're feeling in your heart that this morning's message tugged you in how you're parenting already, or it's tugged you to say, I want to be a spiritual father and mother. I want to lead because it's my calling in the kingdom. Because it's everyone's calling to be a father and a mother. Or a mother, sorry. If that's you, that you're just feeling stirred that you need to do that, then the answer is just, the response here is just, Lord, yes. And forgive me for how I've not been doing it or how I've been behaving that's not being present, active, and accessible to my children, to your children, Father. So yeah, just pray that with me. You don't have to do it out loud, but just in your heart. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for not parenting the way you parent for not giving your children what they need because these aren't, even though they look like me, God, they also look like you. And we all look like you first because we come from you. So forgive me for not parenting your children the way that you have shown us to. And Lord, I commit my ways to you this morning to parent as you would have me parent. And if you're at the other party, I just want you to say this. Yes, Lord. I say yes to the call of parenting this morning. No matter the cost, no matter the pain, I will do a grand gesture of love for those you've called me to. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your kindness this morning, for the encounters we've had with you. Thank you for the time we had with you in worship. For just, Lord, your constant, like your willingness to say, this is a season of second chances. This is the moment in history of the king raising up his army again and saying, it's time, it's time, it's time. We thank you, Lord, for that word this morning. We bless you, Lord. We say yes to you and submit to you give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. We'll see you Wednesday night, Friday night, Sunday morning again. Love you.